Now, if you're new with us, my name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we are in the middle of a series called Salt and Light. And in this series, we're looking at something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. So in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And when he said that, he was speaking directly to his followers. So in this series, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to speak directly to those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus. So if that's you, I'm glad you're here. And God's got some real big things to say to all of us in this series. Now, if you wouldn't claim to be a Christ follower, let's say you lost a bet at work and so you're just here because of that, or uh, you know somebody promised you lunch if you would come to church or something, and you're just kind of checking Christianity out maybe from a distance, I'm so glad you're here today. And what I hope that you'll do throughout this message is that you'll listen for the heartbeat of our God for our world. I think you'll hear something different than maybe you have perceived Maybe something different than you've seen in how Christ followers live. So I'm so glad you're here. I hope you'll listen for God's big heart for our world. Now, um, in this series, I've told you that we're going to tackle some really big subjects that are facing our world. And if you were with us last week, you saw that we started by addressing the problem, the real evil of human trafficking and human slavery. I had the real privilege of interviewing a human trafficking survivor. And I hope that you got some real handles last week on things that you can do personally in your own life to help fight against human trafficking and human slavery. Because it's a real problem and it happens in our world. It happens even in our own town. So hopefully we'll be aware of that and we will do everything that God wants us to do as salt and light as we fight that injustice. Now, next week, we're going to look at living in a politically divided world. And um, you might have noticed that we live in a very politically divided world. And so next week, we'll look at the reality of what it means for us to be Christ followers and what Christ wants us to do in a politically divided world. After that, we'll look at living in a racially tense world. And then we'll wrap this series up by looking at the cost of being salt and light. Jesus said there's a real cost for following him. There's a real cost for for doing what he wants us to do. There's real rewards, real benefits as well, but he talks about the cost. And so we need to consider the cost. Now, today we are gonna talk about how to live as salt and light in a sexually diverse world. And if you look around our world, you understand that it is very sexually diverse nowadays. You know, we started out primarily with most people who identify as heterosexuals. And now today we have people who identify as homosexuals and we have people who identify as bisexuals and and people who identify as transsexuals. And it seems like every few months or so, there's a new letter coming up behind some of those letters. So we started with uh, the gay and lesbian community, uh, those that are, were living a different lifestyle than heterosexual. So we started off with a gay and lesbian, it started off with the L and the G, went to the B for bisexual, went to the T for transsexual, uh, went to a Q for queer, and then an I for intersexual, then an A for asexual, and, and now we've put a plus out there that just includes anybody else that identifies other than heterosexual. Now, this past 
week, a, f- a friend of mine, a guy in one of my small groups, uh, sent me an email, and that email uh, included an article that identified 51 different sexual identities today. 51. Now, uh, if you're like me and you are struggling to figure out how do we live as salt and light in a world that has two sexual identities, how do we live as salt and light in a world with 51 sexual identities, that's the big question that we're trying to answer today. So how do we do that? Now, as we approach this subject, Christ followers have taken many different strategies. Some have adopted the attack strategy. And that strategy goes, we're demanding repentance, we're demanding obedience. And we've learned in this series, that's not the strategy that God's asked us to adopt. Another strategy that some Christians have adopted is an accommodation strategy. And that strategy says, you know what? It doesn't matter how you live. It's all okay. God's love will win the day. But as we've learned in this series, Jesus never accommodated anybody. And so he doesn't want us to accommodate either. Other Christ followers have uh, adopted a withdrawal strategy. And this has been going on for thousands of years. So there are people that say, you know, like I'm not comfortable with that big bad world out there. So it's just going to be, you know, us four and no more, me and my nice little Christian circle. And, you know, if, if, if you're out there, good luck. But in here, we're just praying that Jesus will come back. We've learned that's a strategy that the God doesn't want us to adopt either. God wants us to engage our world. That's the purpose of salt and light. The purpose of salt is to engage meat and and bring flavor. And the purpose of light is to engage darkness. So we are going to talk today about three primary ways that we can live as salt and light in a sexually diverse world. And I'll have some sub-items underneath each, each primary way, but listen for those three primary ways. Now, before we get into this this morning, I need uh, some help from you. I, I've got a big favor to ask. The subject of sexuality is a very personal and polarizing subject. There are very strong opinions on this subject. And because of those strong opinions and emotions, there is a really good chance I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings today. There's a really good chance that I'm going to make somebody upset. Some of you are going to say, you know what? He went too far. Some of you are going to say, he didn't go far enough. And it's going to be real easy to hear part of what I say and ignore everything else that I say. So I know this is a big request, so, but my request is this. I'm asking you to listen to everything I say before you start mentally disagreeing or agreeing with me, okay? Can we all try to do that? Can we all agree to at least try to do that? Great. Thank you uh, for that. Another thing I'd like to ask is um, if we can minimize distractions as much as possible, Um, Hopefully you went to the bathroom uh, before you got in here and hopefully you can wait. If not, now's a great time to go. Um, If you have a small one with you, if you have a child with you and at some point in the service, they decide they don't want to hear what I have to say anymore. 
then would you please help them get over to our family zone uh, quickly? And there's a speaker in there. You'll be able to hear everything that's going on out here. And the reason I ask that, again, is I, I really want everybody to listen and pay attention to everything that we're going to talk about today. And I need you to understand this as well. When I stand in this spot, when any of our communicators stand in this spot to speak on God's behalf, we understand the weight of that. I'm not just up here gonna talk about my opinions. We, we work really hard to stand on God's truth and speak that truth. Um, so just understand that in uh, any subject that we're talking about, uh, when, when we're presenting this, we're trying to present God's heartbeat on the subject. And one last thing. I am not going to be able to answer every question there is about sex and sexuality. I only have about 30 minutes, maybe 40. So I'm not going to be able to answer all your questions. And you'll think, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this when you leave today? Great. I'm telling you up front, you're going to have some questions as you leave. I've got some resources on our spiritual growth challenge. They're at the back of each seating section. I encourage everyone to take one of those as you leave today. There'll be some great recommendations there, some, some things that can, you can dive into to get some more answers for questions that you might have. But again, I'm not gonna be able to hit everything today. Uh, the filter that I'm using today, kind of the, the strategy that I have is to talk to those of us who are Christ followers and answer the question, how does God want us to live as salt and light in a sexually diverse world. So if you would, let's pray together and then we will start. So Lord, I'm so grateful that you are the light of the world. And Lord, that's where we get our source for light. When you've turned and, and said to us as followers, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. So Lord, we tap into you or we need to tap into you for that. And Lord, we live in a, a very confusing and painful world. We live in a world with many uh, cultural issues that are facing all of us. And so we are super grateful that you've given us truth to stand on, truth to, to light our lamps with, truth to season our salt with. And so Lord, I pray today as we uh, learn how you want us to live in a sexually diverse world that our ears would be open, our hearts would be open, our eyes would be open to your truth, and we would live that. In Jesus' powerful name, we all said, amen. amen. Great. All right, now, the subject of living in a sexually diverse world makes a lot of Christ followers a little bit uncomfortable. And I was reminded of that when I was preparing for this. I was reminded of a conversation I had several years back. So several years ago, I walked into Walmart, the place to meet anybody in town, and I was stopped by a Christian man who was very concerned about our church. And he said to me, he said, listen, I, I'm hearing that you're teaching some crazy things over there at Epic. And I said, oh, that's interesting. What are you hearing? He said, I'm hearing that you are teaching that homosexuality is an approved lifestyle by God and that gays and lesbians are welcomed at church. Imagine having that conversation by the checkout line in Walmart. It was fun. So I kind of thought, apparently we're doing this. Okay, um, so I responded to him. I said, you know, it's interesting that you've heard that because I've actually never taught on homosexuality at Epic. Never, never taught on that yet. 
But what I'm really glad you are hearing is that gays and lesbians are welcome at Epic. I'm so glad you're hearing that because it's true. Everybody's welcome at Epic. It doesn't matter your political opinion, doesn't matter the color of your skin, doesn't matter how much religious background you have or no religious background. None of that matters. What matters is you. Everybody is welcome at Epic. If somebody wants to learn the teachings of Jesus, they're welcome at Epic. Now, I don't think that calmed that guy's concerns. He was even more concerned about me at the end of that conversation, and I think more concerned about you having me as a pastor. And he's not the only person who's been concerned about us as a church. Through the years, I've had multiple conversations with people. I've had conversations with people where they say, do you know that you have gays and lesbians at your church? And I say, well, yeah, I do. And I've been asked this follow-up question by several different people through the years. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about gays and lesbians coming to your church? Now, here's what I typically want to say. I typically want to say, well, I'm going to keep letting them come to church like I let you come to church. Like, that's what I want to say. But I don't always say that out loud. Here's what I typically say. This is the first way we can be salt and light in a sexually diverse world. I typically say, I'm going to do my best to love those people the way that Jesus loves them. I think the first way that we can be salt and light in a sexually diverse world is to love all people the way that Jesus loves all people. Now, several weeks ago, we looked at one of the most famous Bible verses of all time, John 3.16. Then we followed that up by looking at one of the least known Bible verses of all time, John 3.17. So let me remind you of John 3.16. It says, for God loved, fill in that blank, who? The world. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that, how many people? Everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So according to that verse, God loves everyone. God loves straight people. God loves gay people. God loves religious people. God loves non-religious people. God loves people who think they have it all together. God loves people who know they don't have it all together. And I even told you that God even loves bald people. And I really think he's got a special place in his heart for bald people. Now, let me remind you of John 3.17. John 3.17 says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So God's love caused him to send Jesus to save us, not judge us. But many Christ followers get that backwards. We think that we're supposed to go out and judge the world. Now, does that verse mean that God won't judge the world? No. One day God will judge the world. One day everyone will stand before a holy God, look into his holy eyes and give an account for the lives that we've lived and the choices that we've made. Our primary um, judgment on that day will be based upon whether we accepted or rejected God's love. But 
Until that day, God said, I sent Jesus to save the world, not to judge the world. But we get that mixed up. And as we get that mixed up, it shows up in how we treat people. It even shows up in who we welcome to our church. So there are some Christians who believe that gays, lesbians, bisexuals, whatever the label, they shouldn't be allowed in church because of their sin. So let's follow that thought for just a moment. If we kept people out of church because of sin, you're all awake in here. That is super exciting. Nobody would be let in. None of us could come to church if that was our strategy. So ponder this. If Jesus were here today, if he were living today in our world, would he welcome gays, lesbians, bisexuals, transsexuals? Would he welcome them into church or would he send them away? He'd welcome them. I think he would welcome them. And I think as his followers, we should follow his example. I think we should do everything that we can to make this space an inviting place for people to come. If someone wants to learn the teachings of Jesus and how they can be transformed by those teachings, I think the doors of our church should always be open. Everybody still with me? Great. Let me just say something to those who may identify as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transsexual, whatever the label. I would like to apologize to you. And my apology comes from this reality. There's a really good chance you have not been treated well by Christ followers. There's a really good chance we have not loved you the way that Jesus loves you. And that breaks God's heart. He wants you to know that he sent Jesus to rescue you, to save you, to die for you. And I hope that that message will echo in your heart and in your mind the rest of your life. I hope you'll wake up every day knowing that God loves you. And I want you to know that the doors of our church will always be open to anybody who wants to learn the teachings of Jesus. Now, that may make some Christ followers uncomfortable, what I just said. It may make them uncomfortable. And I think the uncomfort comes from this idea that we think, you know, if I love a sexually diverse person, that means I am condoning their behavior. Like in some way, I'm saying that that their lifestyle choices are okay. So let's follow that thought for a moment. Does God's love for us condone our behavior? No. God's love for us doesn't condone our behavior when it isn't in line with his his standards and his desire for our lives. Love doesn't condone, love lifts. So that's what we're trying to do in, in today's message in this series. How can we love people and how can we lift them to what God wants for them? So how do we do that? It's the same way that we wanna be loved with dignity, with respect, by by people getting to know us personally, by people who build a real relationship with us. So we have to have meaningful interaction, meaningful relationships with people who don't share our values if we're gonna have any influence on them. So 
A tough question for all of us is, how are you doing at that? How are you doing at loving people who are different than you? How are you doing at living as salt and light in a sexually diverse world? So how does God want us to do that? He wants us to love everybody. So that's, that's point number one. He wants that to show up in how we treat everyone, regardless of their sexual identity. And that leads then to the second way that we can be salt and light. And that is to love people enough to speak the truth to them. So we should, number one, love people, love all people. Number two, we should love them enough to speak the truth to them. Now, the first truth that I think that we need to speak to everyone takes us right back to John 3.16. God loves the world, and that means God loves everyone. I think that's the first thing people need to hear out of our mouths as Christ followers. As we represent God to the world, we need to tell them about God's incredible love for them. Imagine this. Imagine us running around saying, well, you're living wrong and you're living wrong and you're living wrong and you're living wrong and you're living wrong. Won't you come meet my Jesus? How many of us would engage that? How many of us would say, oh yeah, absolutely. Let me meet this guy. None of us would. So I think they need to hear about God's incredible love for them and what God did for them, the sacrifice that he made for them. So I think we need to lead people to Jesus before we talk to them about living like Jesus. Now, as we're, we're doing that, as we're having that conversation, I think we need to be well-equipped with Bible verses. Uh, I think John 3.16 would be a great Bible verse to memorize. If you've not memorized a Bible verse, that would be one that I would highly recommend. And there are more Bible verses that, that we can be equipped with as we're interacting with our world and helping them understand our God's incredible love for them. Now, as we're having that conversation, we also need to be equipped with God's truth when it comes to sex and sexuality. And so many Christ followers don't know God's truth when it comes to sex and sexuality. So let me ask you, do you know God's truth when it comes to, to those subjects? And I don't mean, do you have a general idea? I mean, can you open a Bible and find Bible verses that you, you can stand on? There are many Christ followers who can't do that. And there are many people out in our world who don't know God's standards for, for sexuality. They don't know that. And if we're not equipped with that, if we don't know how to talk to them about that, then who's gonna talk to them? Who's gonna share that with them? So we have to know God's truth when it comes to sex and sexuality. Now, there are too many Bible verses for us to go through this morning. So we're gonna look at two of the, the verses, one in um, the Old Testament part of the Bible. We're gonna get two passages, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament part of the Bible. So we'll start with the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, it tells this amazing story of God's love for a group of people. And that group of people was known as the Israelites. So God came along to the Israelites and said, I'm gonna be your God and you're gonna be my people. And the interesting thing about this group is they spent 400 years in slavery as a nation. So they didn't know what it meant to be a nation. They didn't know what it meant to be a people. They didn't know what it meant to have a God. And so God comes along and says, listen, I'm gonna rescue you from the Egyptians. I'm gonna save you. I'm gonna teach you the best possible way to live. 
So after rescuing them, God spent significant time teaching them how to live in a relationship with him, how to treat each other. Then in Leviticus, God gets into very specific detail, even to the detail of, hey, here's how not to get sick. Here's how not to spread diseases. And then in chapter 18, God gets specific about how to stay sexually pure. And I want you to listen to this. So chapter 18, Leviticus, starting in verse two, God said this, he said, I am the Lord, your God. So do not act like the people in Egypt where you used to live or like the people of Canaan where I'm taking you. That was to the promised land that he was gonna take them to. Said you must not imitate their way of life. You must obey all my regulations and be careful to obey my decrees for I am the Lord, your God. And if you obey my decrees and my regulations, what's the next four words? you will find life. Now, so often we think God's standards, God's decrees, God's regulations, they're about these rules and, and uh, this stiff way of living that takes joy out of life. And God says, that's not the truth. My rules, my decrees, my regulations are to teach you the best possible way to live. And if you follow them, they will lead to life, not death. So he said, I am the Lord. Again, he's teaching them the best possible way to live. Verse six says, you must never have sexual relations with a close relative for I am the Lord. Verse seven, do not violate your father by having sexual relations with your mother. She is your mother. You must not have sexual relations with her. Now I'm thinking the Egyptians and the Canaanites were some pretty warped people. You know, cause I'm thinking if you got to put that in there, that's a no brainer. You just don't have sex with your mom. That's just something you just don't do, okay? Now we look at that and go like, oh, gross. But that's something that was happening in that day. So God's teaching them again, the best way to live. And he says, don't have sex with your mom. Between verse six and verse 20, God lists a group of people says, listen, I don't want you to have sex in, with these people or in these types of ways. Verse 22, God said, do not practice homosexuality. Having sex with another man as with a woman, it is a detestable sin. Now I want you to notice what happened there. God did not pull out homosexuality and make that the content of the entire chapter. God listed it in a list of heterosexual sins. It was all part of, of this group of sins that God said, this is not the best possible way to live. And he included all of that. Now here's what we do. We pull one verse out and we like to say, this sin is worse than every other sin. This is so bad. And we like to ignore everything else that God has to say in that chapter. We can't do that. We've got to understand everything that God says in the context of scripture when it comes to sex and sexuality. Okay, now we're gonna jump to the New Testament. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter 19, Jesus had an interesting interaction with some religious leaders of his day and they, they hated Jesus. They were always trying to catch him in something they could use against him. So they brought up some hot topics in their day. They brought up marriage and divorce. And they were like, okay, we're gonna catch him now. Like he won't be able to get out of this trap that we've set for him. 
But I want you to listen to how Jesus answered their question. So Matthew chapter 19, starting verse four, Jesus said, haven't you read the scriptures? So for them in that day, the scriptures were the Old Testament. So Jesus was about to affirm the Old Testament. And he says, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. This is God's math here, where one plus one equals one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So in this passage, Jesus gives us God's bottom line when it comes to sex and sexuality. So hear this. This is it. This is God's bottom line of scripture when it comes to sex and sexuality. God encourages full sexual expression between one man and one woman in the context of marriage, and he prescribes abstinence and purity for everyone else. Whether you are heterosexual, homosexual, whatever the sexual identity. So let me say that again. God encourages full sexual expression between one man and one woman in the context of marriage, and he prescribes abstinence and purity for everyone else, heterosexual, homosexual alike. Now that might sting a little. That actually might sting a lot. But it should sting more than people who identify other than heterosexual. It should sting anyone who, especially as a Christ follower, living outside of God's design for sex and sexuality. So if you are not married and you are living outside of God's bottom line for sex and sexuality, you're, you're, you're missing it. You're not living God's best possible way to live for you. You're not living on a road that leads to life. You're actually living on a path that leads to death. If you are married and you are sexually active outside of that marital relationship, you're outside of God's design for sexual intimacy and sexual expression. Again, God's standard applies to heterosexuals and homosexuals alike. He doesn't differentiate. Now that leads us to another big part of loving people enough to speak the truth. We've got to know God's truth when it comes to God's love. We've got to know God's truth when it comes to, to sexuality. And we have to live that truth. If we're not living God's truth as Christ followers, we have no business going around telling anybody how they should be living. No business. We need to be living that way. So tough question. Are you living inside God's design for sex and sexuality? Are you living in God's best path that leads to life? Or are you on a path that actually leads to death? Is everybody still with me? Still tracking? Okay, God has more to say. So let me answer one question that people often ask, and it's this question. People often ask, uh, if someone is born gay or bisexual or transsexual, shouldn't we just let them live the way God designed them to live? 
If they're born that way, that's just a natural way for them to live, so shouldn't they be allowed to live that way? There's a lot of debate on that, that question today. But think about this. Just because we're born a certain way, that doesn't mean that God wants us to live that way. And King David told us about that in the Old Testament. Psalms 51, verse five, King David said, I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. And the Bible backs that up and says, listen, the reality is we're all born sinful. And we all know this, especially when we watch kids throwing temper tantrums in the aisle you know, at, at Publix on the way out because they didn't get the candy they wanted. Like we know that kids don't have to be taught to do wrong. They just do that naturally, right? Like we all have this bent towards sin. So based upon that, what we could all say is we could all stand before God and say, I sin because I was made this way. I'm just born this way, so that's why I sin. But God says, you can't use that as a rationale or as an excuse. I've called you to live holy. I've called you to live set apart. I've called you to live on a, on a different path. So we can't use that excuse. Romans 8, 11 says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. If you're a Christ follower, that applies to you. You've got the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead residing inside of you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Verse 12, therefore, your brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Think about that next time you're tempted to do something wrong. Think about that the next time you're, you're looking at that temptation, just saying, well, I, just, I, I just can't, it's too powerful. I just gotta give in to this. God says, no, you don't. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So if you're a Christ follower, you have been given a power that's greater than any obstacle, any temptation, any sin nature, any desire, any little thing that the enemy will, will shine at you, say, hey, look, a shiny thing, come this way. God gives you the ability, the power to overcome all of that. And if you aren't a Christ follower, God makes that power available to you through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There is nothing that can stand against you with Christ inside you. So none of us can say, well, I was kind of born sinful, so I should just be able to live sinful. God's called us and equipped us and empowered us and entrusted us with a power that helps us to live beyond anything that can pull us away from him. Now let's go back to our original question. How does God want us to be salt and light in a sexually diverse world? We are to love all people the way that God loves them. That should show up in how we treat people. We're to love people enough to speak the truth to them. We should tell them about God's love and we need to be equipped with God's truth when it comes to sexuality. We need to be living that truth. And then that leads us to the last thing that we can do after loving people, after loving people enough to speak truth to them, we need to go right back to loving people. So you have a conversation with somebody and they say, I disagree with that. I don't care about you. I don't care about your God. I don't care about your faith. I don't care about your religion. I think it's hogwash. What do we do? Love them. 
go right back to loving them. The Bible says that the world will know that we are God's disciples by our love, not by our Bible bashing, not by our critical spirits, not by our judgmentalism, but by our love for people. So after you've loved people, after you've spoken God's truth to them, we gotta go right back to loving them. Remember, Jesus came to save our world, not to judge our world. Now, as we wrap up, let me talk to two different groups of people. First, let me talk to to those who are Christ followers, especially if you say this is your church home. This is a very complex issue that needs lots of grace and mercy. We need to pour out bucket loads of grace before us and before other people as we engage these waters, engage these conversations. And we need to help God in his mission to save the world, not hinder God. So let me just ask a few questions. Are you loving all people the way that Jesus loves them? Are you welcoming anyone to Epic who wants to learn the teachings of Jesus? Are you willing to build a relationship with someone who's very different than you? Doesn't care about your God, doesn't care about your your values, doesn't care about your belief system, your lifestyle choices? Are you willing to build a real relationship with them so that possibly one day you might have an influence in their world? Are you loving people enough to speak the truth to them? Do you know enough about God's love in scripture to be able to share that with other people? Do you know enough about God's truth when it comes to sexuality to share that with people? And are you living that yourself? Are you living that in your own life? That's how we can be salt and light in a sexually diverse world. Now let me talk to those who may identify as anything other than heterosexual. There's a really good chance that today's conversation has stirred more questions for you and some very deep emotions. And I want you to know, I understand this is a very complex issue. And I want to ask you, though, in closing, are you willing to trust God with your sexuality? Are you willing to trust the God who sent Jesus to die so you can live? Are you willing to trust him more than just for eternity? Sometimes we go like, I can trust God for eternity, but I don't know if I can trust him for today. Are you willing to trust God with your sexuality and your eternity? I hope so. Because our God can be trusted. And I guarantee you, if you will trust him, you'll find out that his path always leads to life. Always. Never death. I encourage everybody today to pick up one of our spiritual growth challenges before you leave and spend some time this week studying the more of the Bible verses that are on the back of that. Uh, I put together a little Bible study for you. And you can spend this week diving in and understanding what does God say when it comes to sex and sexuality and how does God want me to live? And um, before our worship team comes out, 
just want to make available, if this conversation has stirred some angst for anybody in your heart and you need prayer or you want deeper conversation, I and a few other people are going to be on the other side of that wall right there. So if you go through that door or that door, you'll find us on the other side. And during this song, you can just get up, you can slip out, come over. I would love to pray with you. I'd love to talk a little bit more about this subject with you if you need it. Now, everybody else who stays here, what I want you to do during this song is I want you to answer a couple of questions. Number one is, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me as a result of this message? What is my one takeaway? What's the one thing I need to do as I walk out of here today? What do I need to do starting today and this week and the rest of my life when it comes to this subject? So if you would, stand with me. And let's pray. God, we have looked at a very difficult subject today in our culture and in our world. Um, Very polarizing subject, subject that that causes a a lot of emotions and questions for, for all of us. And yet, God, you've got a truth found in scripture and your truth always leads to life. It never leads to death. And so, Lord, I pray for those of us who are uh, your followers. I pray that we would understand that we need to, to love all people. We need to love them enough to speak the truth to them. And then after speaking the truth, we've got to go right back to loving all people the way that you love us. So, Lord, equip us and teach us how to do that as a church family. I, I pray that, that in our community, we would be known as a church that is, is open and inviting and welcome to anyone who wants to learn the teachings of Jesus and how to be transformed by those teachings. And Jesus, I also pray for those who may be here wrestling with a, a sexual identity that, that's outside of a heterosexual lifestyle. Lord, I pray that they would take a leap of faith. They would trust you with not only their eternity, but they would trust you with their sexuality. Guide them on the journey of understanding your truth when it comes to this subject. In Jesus' name, we pray this, amen.